Good morning. Before I jump in, I want to thank the people who helped us yesterday at our SOS Special Ops Project. If you happen to be on that site doing Special Ops yesterday, would you just stand where you're at? I want to recognize those people who came and helped yesterday. Stand up where you're at. Thank thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Oh, man, I'm telling you how exciting it is. As a pastor of this church, it is so cool to have somebody come to you and say, my neighbor needs help. Matter of fact, two of us are neighbors with this guy, and, he, and we both want him to have help. And then we're going to make it happen and see it through. I couldn't make it there yesterday, and to know that they oversaw it and made it happen, it was it was rough. I have pictures. I told them to send me pictures. I called them to check on how they were doing, and uh, they sent me pictures. I'm like, whoa! I couldn't believe it. Uh, it, it was it was needed, and uh, the work they did was fantastic to help this uh, family out. And so, how proud could you be of a, a people in your church? helping their neighbors, Oakwood shows up, come beside them. I just, I'm just so thankful. Thank you so much as a church for being the church. That's what we do. We, 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 we pour out God's love that we have within us. Amen. Good, good, good job. Thank you. Doug, uh, appreciate that. Um, and the Hales, thank you. I heard there was some food involved. Did you feed people too? Life is good. You know, you do good things and get fed. That's great. All right. Um, I woke up yesterday, I have a habit of getting coffee first and then turning the TV on, that's what I do. I got my coffee and I turned the TV on and there was the news, what was happening in the Middle East, the attack on Israel. And immediately my mind was drawn to a trip that was planned. (laughs) Not that trip. We have a group of people, about 30 of us, that are planning to go to Israel in April. That wasn't the trip I was thinking about. There's another trip that I've got planned. I've always told you as a church that when you want to know what's happening prophetically in the scriptures, what's coming, always look to Israel to see what's going on. And... Yesterday, I couldn't help but to think, Lord, is this, is this the end time? Is this it? Is this? I know pastors have said that for hundreds of years. I'm aware of that. But I thought, could, it, could this be the time? You need to know that God did something incredible this past week as I read through Ephesians chapter 3. That's the chapter we're to be in this morning. I read through Ephesians chapter 3, and right away I said, I, I could probably do some word studies here and take them through this passage. But I think the message Paul is giving is about the gospel. He's talking about this wonderful mystery that's been revealed that he's sharing with them. It's the gospel, how Gentiles could be saved people, not just the Jewish, not just Israel, but God expanded that to all mankind. And so I decided to preach the gospel today, back on Wednesday, as I was working through it, and I put together my whole PowerPoint, and then yesterday I woke up and saw that and thought, oh my goodness, Lord. Is this the time? I'm not worried about a trip. I don't know if we're going. I don't know if it'll happen. Probably not, but that's okay. I've got another trip that's booked. It took me right back to a time when I was a young kid. I grew up in the church. Wonderful Christian parents. Grew up in Awana, uh, a kid's program that teaches scripture. You learn, you know, you learn verses and get candy. You know, it's great. Uh, Went to a Christian school kindergarten through 12th grade, but I was a rebel, you know, and I, I do things the hard way. And so I, I, my mom says I said a prayer when I was four years old, but when I got into my teens, I realized that I didn't remember that moment and it hadn't changed anything about my life. I was living a garbage can of addictions, anything that would bring Don Jackson pleasure. I thought I would just add it to this garbage can of addictions. And so I was living for Don Jackson and Something was happening on the world stage. Something was happening in that there was a preacher and something was happening in the Middle East. I don't know what was happening when I was 13, but all I know is I was scared to death because I knew that day I was not going to heaven. I just knew. I went to bed, tried to sleep, couldn't sleep. At three in the morning, I knocked on my mom's bedroom door. My dad worked nights, so it was just my mom there. And I woke her up and I said, Mom, I'm not saved. It just, my heart was pounding. I was scared to death. I thought, if Jesus comes back, I'm done. 
And I told her that. I said, I'm not saved. And she said, well, you said a prayer when you were four years old. We knelt by the bed. I'm like, Mom, you told me that story, and I'm sure it happened. But I don't remember that, and I'm telling you, I know I'm not saved. In my heart of hearts, I know it's not real. So she stopped trying to convince me of something that wasn't there, and she opened up the Bible, and she took me through the Romans. I knew all the verses. I'd learned them. That wasn't the problem. She asked me, do you believe this? Yeah, I do believe this. And then we just prayed. And I remember as a young 13-ish saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life as my Savior and Lord. Now, I don't know. I'll find out in eternity someday. Maybe God saved me at four. Maybe it happened when I was 13. But I'm telling you today, I know that I know that he knows me. Do you know that you know that he knows you? I don't know what goes through your mind when the world events take place. And this is a bad one. Israel is a postage stamp nation surrounded to the north and the east and the south with people that want to obliterate them off the planet. And yet God has protected them all this time, preserved them. But Iraq and Iran and Russia and then there's the other countries and it just, could it be the time that it all lines up and I know that God from heaven is going to, at one point, God's going to say to Jesus, enough's enough. Go get them. Go get your church. I don't know if that's going to happen this week, next month. I, I'm not here to scare you. But I knew God put it on my heart on Wednesday to give you the gospel today. And as of yesterday, I know why. I feel a weight of responsibility as your pastor that you would know that you're saved. And I don't know if you're saved. I met a new friend this week, came to my office to tell me his story. I loved his journey. I wanted to become members of the church, and I'm, I'm excited about that, and we were talking about that, and I went through the, there's three things to become a member of Oakwood. First, you gotta sit down with the pastor and tell him your testimony. How did you come to know Christ? Then you need to be baptized by immersion. And then you got to attend Discover Oakwood. I said, just tell me your story. You know, when is it that that this began? Has there been a time when you asked God to forgive your sin, come into your life as Savior and Lord? He goes, yes, when I got here to Oakwood. I'm like, I didn't know that. When, when, When did that happen? I'm responsible for that. I. So today I want to, just want to share with you the gospel so that you can know that you know that he knows you. And then I'd ask that you would let me know so that I can help you and the church can help you and we can disciple you so you can grow. This is important. We're in Ephesians. You can meet me there, turn on a gadget or open a Bible there's Bibles underneath the, the seats in a lot of locations. There's little baskets in some. And I'm going to read Ephesians 3 because that's the context today. But I want to give you the gospel so you know. The big idea is simply rooted and established in love. It's one of the key themes in Ephesians that we would be rooted and established in God's love. So I want to read it and give you the context. Listen as I read. Paul says, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was, made, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. I want to stop and pray before we continue reading. Would you pray with me? You don't have to say this out loud, but I'd encourage you to say these words silently in your heart. God, since there's something you want me to hear,
was a zealot. He was a, a zealous Jew that was defending the Jewish law. And all of a sudden there comes this person that people are calling the Messiah. And, and he's like, that can't be. I got to root this out. And so they were torturing and killing believers in Christ. Remember at Stephen, the stoning of Stephen, Paul was there holding people's coats so they could throw rocks. And, and then God called Paul. Give this wonderful news. How awesome. And then he says his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Oh, see, Paul just wants them to know. He wants them to know that they know that he knows that they're his kids and that they're loved. He just wants them to get it. And then one of my favorite verses on the wall in my office by my door. I see it every time I go in and out. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Oh, Paul, his heart's just bursting with love to tell these people this good news, this mystery. It's not a mystery anymore. We know. But here's what I've discovered. After being a youth pastor for 20 years, I traveled the world as an international youth speaker, preaching to teens and giving this wonderful good news. And there was so much confusion. I would meet pastor's kids after I spoke, missionaries' kids, deacons' kids, and elders' kids. And they would come to me and say, PD, I don't know if I'm saved. And I'm like, how have we made this so confusing? And then I hear other people preach and preachers disagree about how you get saved. And they made it so confusing. This is essential. This is rock bottom essential stuff. We need to be very clear how you can know that you know that he knows you as his child. And I believe everything we need, he gave us in his word. 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things so that you may know that you're a child of God. There's nobody in this room that needs to walk out today like I was at 13, knocking on my mom's door at 3 in the morning. You don't need to walk out with that kind of fear. You can know. And so I sat out and I, I told the Lord, Lord, you need to give me this message. You need to give me a clear gospel. You need to give me a way to share this so that nobody's confused. They know rock solid that they're saved or not. And he did. I believe God gave me a message. The context of this Ephesians passage is grasp the ungraspable love of Jesus. Do we have any English teachers here in the room? I don't know if ungraspable is a word, but it is now. We, Paul so wants you to grasp the ungraspable love of God. I want you to have that too. Paul also he wants you to be rooted and established in love. I want you to be rooted. Do your roots go deep in Christ? Are you established in Christ? In is such a big word. And in Christianity, some of the biggest words are only two letters long. If you're not in Christ, you're missing it. There's no other way. And then the, the hope in this passage in Ephesians is that we would be continually filled with God's love. 
And so I said to God, how do I do this? Paul wanted them to know. I want people to know. God, don't make me another one of those pastors who makes it confusing. So I want you to know today that you can receive God's salvation through God's gracious gift of Jesus Christ. And how, well, I believe God gave me this message and it was called Facts, Faith, and Forgiveness. I want to take the time to walk through it today. If you're here today and you've been saved for a long time, please don't think this is like he's done this before. Listen, listen, I could preach this every Sunday and I don't think I'd fail. I don't think you need to only hear this once, right? And some of you, I hate for you to leave saying, I heard that before. That was a waste of time. No, we should hear the gospel again and again and again. And we should know it so that we can share it. And I give God the credit for this because I'm not that smart. I think he gave me this message because it needs to be plain and clear. So we start with this. How do I know if I'm saved? How do I know if it really took effect in me? Well, it's with both mind and heart. Romans 10.9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, this is the verse that if you're wondering today, and if you're not sure, you should take a good look at, because in this verse, it ends with a promise, a guarantee. It doesn't say you might be saved, or you could end up saved. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You're going to show up to heaven someday and stand before a holy God who wants to know who's paying for the sin. How do you know you're in? There's two components, your heart, heart and your mind. Now, I get this because I'm a communicator. I love communication. Communication to me is an art. I study audiences. I I pride myself in the work I've done over decades of watching an audience and knowing when they're with me and when I've lost them and how to get them back. I I do that every Sunday, whether you know it or not. See, communication is an art because in order for me to speak something out of this mouth, and by the way, it's very arrogant that I'm asking you to sit there and listen for 40 minutes to me talk and you can't. Wow. Man. So I think about this. How do I communicate? I can't just start talking. Some of you think I do. Something has to happen up here first. In order for something to come out my mouth, it has to be formed in this brain of mine. I have to actually encode a message that I want to say, and it comes out of my mouth. And then it comes out into the ether of distraction. In order for it to be real communication, it isn't communication when I speak it. That's part of the problem in most marriages today. I told her. I told him. Yeah, but nobody was listening. You can say it. You can say it over and over again. You can say it even louder. It doesn't mean it was communication. Communication is when a thought is encoded and spoken into the ether of distraction and another person takes it into their ear and into their brain where they have to decode it. And hopefully you get the same message. It's hard, isn't it, men? Men agree with me. Communication's hard. But here in the Bible, I see that God has said, hey, people, pay attention. In order for you to be saved... You gotta declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. What happens there? In your brain, you have to understand and know Jesus is Lord. And then it says, and then believe in your heart. Why did God do this? Because the mind and the heart are two different things. There's a knowing and there's a will. Do you know? And have you surrendered your will to God? So what has to take place? Friends, in humility, I come to you today and And I just want to share with you three things, maybe five. But three things start with facts. Everybody say facts. If we need to declare Jesus as Lord, we're going to need to know some facts. I believe the facts I'm going to give you are straight from God's word. I'm not making them up. I'm taking them right from scripture. And the first thing we need to know that's a fact is God is holy. Some of you are probably saying, no, start with God is love. That's true, but that's not where we have to start. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. Who is this God? Well, the thing you need to know about that God is he is holy, which means sinless and pure, perfection. I know that this is a fact 
because it, I got burned at my ordination council. An ordination council is when you as a pastor want to become an ordained minister, a reverend, put the REV in front of your name. You got to have all these pastors show up and you promise them lunch and cake, but then they quiz you first. And in order to get to the cake, you got to answer all their questions. I sent out my 25 doc, 25 page doctrinal statement out weeks ahead for them to study and get ready to just drill me. And they came to the church and all these pastors sat there and they're throwing out questions. And I was ready. I drink a lot of coffee. So they're throwing out questions. I'm answering questions. And I'm like, this is cake. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And they were lobbing softballs is what they were doing. You know, they were giving me easy ones. And I'm like, and I'm, boom. I'm like, I'm going to get ordained. And then our, our own assistant pastor at the church I was at, his name was Pastor Scott Church. What a great name for a pastor. Pastor Church. Pastor Church says, Don, uh, tell us what the number one attribute of God is. He did it like that. Tell us what the number one attribute of God is. And I thought, oh, God is love. And oh, God is omniscient, omnipotent. I went through all the omnis I could think of. And I'm given all these theological terms. And I'm like, he's all these things. God is all this. And he said, wrong. And I'm like, what? Dude, you're on my team. You're killing me here. Don't say wrong at my ordination council. I promise cake. He's like, Don, you need to know that the number one attribute of God is that he is holy. I'll never forget it. They passed me because the cake was there. The Bible tells us this in Revelation 15, 4a. It says, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. See, the Bible declares that God is the only entity that is purely sinless and righteous and pure. He's the only one. No one else. The angels know this because we heard them sing. You are holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? And you've heard me say this before. If you've been around Oakwood, that's the only time in Scripture that a word is triplicated, right? Triplicated. Holy, holy, holy. See, in their language, when you needed to emphasize something, you would repeat it. And so, Josh, if me and you are walking down the road and there's, there's a pit there, I would say, whoa, 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 Josh, watch out for the pit. But if we're walking along the hole and there's, a, there's a, like a hole, I would be like, Josh, 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 there's a pit, pit. But if we're walking down the road, I'm like, Josh, watch out, there's a pit, pit, pit. He'd be like, whoa, slow your roll. Pit, pit works. Don't go crazy. See, there's only one time that anybody has ever tripled the word, and it's the angels themselves saying, he is holy, holy, holy is the Lord. We start there today because this is where it all begins. God is holy, perfect and pure and righteous. And the second thing is, is I'm a sinner. I'm not. The Bible tells me that in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You can put your name in there instead of all, because all means all, that's all all means. I can say, for Don Jackson has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible declares that all of us fall short of God's holiness, perfection. When we had our first child, Caitlin was born. It's exciting and thrilling and, and adrenaline. It's such a great day. I don't know what the ladies go through, but it was a great day for me. I'm there in the room, and Dr. Walk's going to deliver Caitlin. Dr. Walk is a Christian man who went to our church. Can you imagine your obstetrician going to church with you? That's kind of awkward. But, you know, Julie's there, and she's doing her part, and he's doing his part. And Dr. Walk was so generous. He told us when we got pregnant with Caitlin, he said, listen, I want to do something for you guys. Um, I'm going to write up the bill to the insurance company and they're going to write me a check and uh, I'm not going to bill you. I'm going to actually write you a check for what the insurance pay. I'm going to pay you what I get for having a baby. I know, aren't you amazed? We, we should have had 17. I'd been a rich man. Should have been the first Duggar family of all times, you know. I got paid to have kids and so... Here we are in the room, and out comes Caitlin, and it's exciting, and the adrenaline's flowing, and Dr. Walk gets there and just hands her to me. Boom, all of a sudden there's this thing. And let's just be honest, beyond all the, you know, the lovey-dovey stuff, it's gross. It's not what I was thinking at the time, but it's gross. It's, it's, it's ooey-gooey, and it's just, you know, and I'm like, whoa. Nurses are coming in with these little clips, and they're clipping the unbiblical cord. And, and, and Dr. Walk grabs some scissors, and he, he says, here, cut the cord. I'm like, aren't I paying you? And I'm like, oh, I'm not paying him for this. I guess I got to do the work. And so I took the scissors, and I cut her loose. 
And then there she was in my hands and the nurses are wiping and cleaning. And, and I'm looking at this life and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'm counting noses and toeses. And, and, and I almost said it. She's perfect. But I caught myself because I knew, oh, my goodness, I just brought a life into this world. She was there, too. I brought a life into this world. <laughs> and she's born with a sin problem. I knew she was born with a sin problem because she got it from me. And I got it from my dad and he got it from his dad. And we're, we're just from a long line of sinners. See, you're born with a sin problem. I'm not judging you. Now, you were born with it, but to, then you chose on your own later to live it out. Willfully, you chose sin. So we've got a God who's holy and no sin can enter into heaven, into his presence, but we're sinners. There's a problem there. And that's where you got to start because you need to know there's a situation that needs a savior. Why would I preach the gospel if you don't understand that you're lost? You got to know that we need a savior to remedy this. The good news is what starts happening next. But God... (laughs) commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus enters the picture. So many people want to start with Jesus. Jesus is the solution. He's the savior, but it starts with sin. God is holy. I'm not. So God acted, not me. God sent his son and Jesus claimed to be God's son. Don't let people lie to you and say, well, he was a great teacher and a wonderful man, but he, he wasn't, he never claimed to be God. So yes, he did. In John 14, 6 and 7, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him because you've seen me. Did Jesus claim to be God's son? He clearly claimed to be God's son. You cannot have a good guy teacher and a lying lunatic. You can't have it. Right? We've heard that before. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. So God sent his son. The good news is that he wasn't born of Joseph. He didn't have Father Joseph because if he was born of Joseph, he would have the sin problem. He would have that inherited down, but he wasn't born of Joseph. He was born of God and Mary. And so he didn't have sin and he never chose sin. The Bible does tell us this, that Jesus lived a sinless life. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He had no sin, but on that cross he became Don Jackson. On that cross he became you. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. This is good news. These are facts from Scripture. Not only was he sinless, but he died for our sins. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Yes, Jesus died for you, but he's not dead anymore. <laughs> The Bible makes it clear that he's a risen Savior. We don't have a martyred Savior. Most religions have some kind of a martyred leader. But our Savior is risen from the dead. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Then in Romans 14, 9, it says, For this reason Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. So we have good news today. God is holy. We're not. But God sent Jesus, who was his son, who lived a sinless life, died on a cross, taking the atonement for our sins, and then he was risen again, which means he defeated both death and sin in one one afternoon. What a great day. Death has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. These are the facts. Everybody say facts. But I got a warning for you. Those facts can't save you. You see, James 2.19 tells us that even the demons know this and they tremble, but they're not saved. Satan knows who God is. Satan knows who Jesus is. Doesn't mean he's saved. 
The facts are very clear, and they know the facts, but they're not saved. You see, you can have the facts here, and something be missing. So what, where do we go from here? I thought that was it, PD. I thought that was all. I just had to have the facts. You have the facts. But now we've got to apply something called faith. Everybody say faith. You got to apply faith to those facts. What is faith? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. What's the element that saves you? Grace. Don't say faith. You'll start thinking of something you got to do. What saves you is grace, God's grace. How do you access that grace? Through faith. Not by works, lest any man should boast. That's where people get so confused today. They think they're going to show up to heaven and God's got these scales. Man, that one day you were so good. I remember that one day you were bad, but that day was so good. No, guys, don't do that. Let's go back to fact number one. God is holy. Fact number two, we're not. Then the Bible says that all of your righteousness are like filthy rags, minstrel rags. That's the actual correct translation of that. Think about that. Your best day ever. God views it as a pile of dirty rags. It's not going to get you into heaven. What if I put two or three of them together? No, it's not going to get you into heaven. The pile of rags are just bigger. They're still filthy rags. There's no scale. It's either righteous and pure and holy, 100% or nothing. That's why salvation is so important that it's nothing we can do. God has to do it, and he did it through Christ. It's by grace you're saved, through faith. John 1, 12 tells us, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Faith. Acts tells us there's no other name under heaven. Acts 4.12. There's no other name under heaven by where men can be saved. Jesus. Jesus. But I got news for you. Acts 16.31. Let me read that real quick. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your house. We got to apply honest faith to the facts that God gave us. But can faith save you? Just faith alone? No, I want to warn you. There's a warning. There's something called empty faith. There's a lot of faith out in the world. I mean, to to be an atheist, you got to have a lot of faith. I mean, there's there's so much faith out there, and there's there's people in this world today. Some of them got on bulldozers and went through a fence yesterday, went into Israel and grabbed children and grandmothers out of their homes and took them captive. Why? Because of their faith. There are people today that would put bombs on their waist and walk into a market and blow themselves up in the name of a God. That's faith. Let me just tell you, faith is just empty unless it's faith applied to the right facts. God's truth. Have you applied your faith to the facts? I'm briefly going to show this picture. Go ahead and move it forward one for me. These are books of religion around the world, and, and there's so many faiths. Get rid of it. I don't want them to look at it too long. It's, there's so many things out there, and you could pick the wrong thing. Get it right, friends. You could pick the wrong thing. Follow God's plan. Trust that the facts that he gives us are the facts that can lead to salvation. Do you have faith in these facts? Well, then, is that it? If I got faith in those facts, am I saved? No. I believe Scripture's clear that something has to take place. And that's forgiveness. Have you been forgiven? Again, no sin's going to enter into heaven. You've been born with a sin problem. You acted out on that sin problem. You're going to stand before a holy God. He wants to know who's paying for the sin. How can I tell that holy God that my sin's covered? Because I ask him to save me and forgive me of my sins. And I know you maybe have heard, even from this stage, somebody say, it's not about a prayer saying a prayer. I don't like when I hear that. I I know that four-year-olds say a prayer and maybe don't understand it, and that's got to be dealt with at some point. But let me tell you, if you want to access salvation, it's through faith in God's facts. But apply the salve, the beautiful salve of forgiveness. What is it that crosses the line into faith? Accept the fact that you're a sinner. 
believe that God is who he says he is and confess. Forgiveness is essential. 1 John 1, nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. Have you asked God to forgive you of your sins? It starts there. That's when you cross the line. God, save me. Forgive me of my sin. Has that happened in your life? Luke 13, 3 and 5, very clear. Two verses, one verse apart. Luke 13, 3 and 5. Luke 13, 3 says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will perish. Repent. And, and by the way, this is not saying, God, I've, I made a mistake. Or God, I made an oopsie. Or God, I have a boo-boo. No. What the Bible talks about confession and repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. It's you're walking along life and you're godless and helpless and hopeless. And then all of a sudden you come to the facts and you realize there's a holy God. And you put your faith in that and you ask him to save you by forgiving of your sins. That means you've been walking one direction and it requires a complete turn, a change of direction. See, I warn you today that what this, what this actually means is repent. Repent. See, Luke 13, 3 and 5, I didn't read for you verse 5. I only read for you verse 3. Verse 3, 3 is, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will perish. Then there's verse 4, and then there's verse 5. Verse 5 says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will perish. I didn't make a mistake. Verse 3 says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will perish. Verse 5, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will perish. Whenever the Bible has the same verse, one verse apart, pay attention. There's something really important there. And God wants us to know that repentance is required. So I tell you today, as clearly as I can give the gospel, facts, faith, forgiveness. Have you applied your faith to the facts of God's word and ask him to forgive you of your sin and come into your life as Savior and Lord? You can't ask God to come into your life as Savior and Lord or forgive your sins unless you talk to him. I call that prayer. So for those pastors who want to make it so confusing... I'm sorry. Pray for salvation. <laughs> Some of you have been saved a long time. And you're like, Petey, I don't remember. I just feel like I've, I've always known. It's okay if you've always known, but have you asked him if you, and maybe you've said it many times. As you grow in Christ, you realize that it's about what he's done, not what you do. So you don't have to keep praying for the salvation. If you ask and he provides, you're forgiven. <laughs> Facts. Faith, forgiveness. Now, I could end there, but I just love uh, the flow I was on. The F's were really coming. And so when you have the facts and you put your faith in it and you are forgiven of your sins, immediately you're declared a friend of God. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified with, by faith, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in, in John 15, 14 and 15, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I called you friends. This is the beautiful result of salvation. Doesn't get you saved. But if you get saved and ask God to forgive you of your sin, you are declared a friend of God. That's why you don't need to come back and keep saying, say, Save me, save me, save me. You don't need to keep doing that. He called you his friend. You once were dead. You've been made alive. You were lost. Now you're found. You were blind. Now you see it's changed because of what God did. You've been declared a friend of God. Oh, it gets better because after all of this, I mean, we know that it's about relationship, not rules and religion. It's relationship. Friendship with God is what happens as a result of salvation. So what we have is an internal need is forgiveness, right? The internal result is friendship. Then there's external evidence, and that's following. Oh, we put the cart before the horse. Most religions want to get right to the following part, and they preach, do this, do that, act like this, or act like that. And the following, it's all about the following. And I've heard pastors say, you got to keep going, you got to keep going, or he's going to kick you out. You got to be good enough. No, that doesn't, ex- the facts were clear in Scripture. You're saved by grace through faith. Following becomes a result of it. It doesn't, it's not the impetus towards salvation. So many people think I'm going to go to a good church, clean up my act. Hey, listen, let me tell you, he's the greater cleaner upper. Forget Mr. Clean. Jesus is the greater cleaner upper. Come to Jesus, put your faith in him, ask him to save you. And then the following happens. It's a result of, not the start of salvation. Following. 
The Bible tells us in John 15, verse 4, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then Jesus said to the people who were following him in Luke 9, 23, he said to him, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me daily. Are you following? If you're having a hard time following, maybe it's because you're not his. It's hard to follow if you're not being led. But don't make the following the point. The point is salvation by grace through faith. Sins forgiven, declared a friend of God and then walking in it. In Christ. I got done with this whole thing and I thought, Lord, you've given me. I think it's so clear. It's not performance based. It's a good thing. I screw stuff up. I make mistakes. I, I don't know if I've done anything perfect. By, I got one thing right. Her. That's about the best thing ever. I haven't messed that up. Pretty much everything else, I got a propensity of not doing it perfectly. And that's why salvation is such a gift. That's why yesterday when I saw the bombs flying and thought, are you coming back, Lord? Is it going to be enough? Is it this time, God, that you're going to say enough, Jesus? Go get them. Go get them. I'm tired of it. I knew right then it's okay for me. See, I got a trip that's been booked long time ago and I know where I'm going I know that I know that he knows me when I was done with this whole thing I I thought of the illustration I think Josh McDowell had used this for something else I thought yeah this makes sense this is supposed to be an iceberg you've seen an iceberg right iceberg dead ahead the water line, you know, keeps you from seeing the entire iceberg. There's only a little bit of the ice. They say only 10% is, is visible above the water line. The rest of it's underneath there. You just can't see it. So this is why it's so hard for people. You see, I can't tell you if you're saved or not because all I can see is what's visible. I mean, I... I mean, I, I look around and Doug's a nice guy at all. And I know he loves Jesus and he seems to be following. I mean, so what I see at the tip of the iceberg, I might think as a pastor that he's saved. But I don't know what's beneath. You see, beneath what's unseen is very important because faith is unseen. Underneath that visible line is faith. And it's, it's because of faith that God declares you're a friend of God. And you can have forgiveness of sin. But all of that I cannot see. I cannot tell you. You cannot come to me and ask me, PDM, I saved. I don't know. I don't know. But what's interesting about a soul is you know. I believe in your heart of hearts, you know. At least that's what happened to me. And I was 13. <laughs> if a 13-year-old can figure this out. I knew that I didn't know. So I knocked on my mom's room and said, I'm not saved. And then underneath that whole thing, and I know physics is, this is impossible with physics. That's why I say I'm not perfect. But the, the facts, the beautiful thing about the facts is they're beneath the unseen because they've been revealed. It's the rock bottom foundation of all eternity. God revealed the facts. Then in the unseen, I put my faith in him. Ask him to forgive my sins. He declares me a friend of God. None of that's seen. So what we're left with is the result of. So this morning, I ask you what I asked you last week as we close the service. Are you an are or are you a were? Because Paul says... You were dead in your sins. And you either are dead in your sins still, or you were dead in your sins. There's either one or the other. Are you an are, or are you a were today? Only you know that. Between you and God, you're the only ones who know the answer to that question. And as a pastor, I feel the weight of responsibility that you would know. And if you've been coming to Oakwood and, and maybe you've been sitting in the chairs and just figuring us out and you're just checking it out and you're not, and you're hoping, you're thinking, I come, I'm, I'm attending, you know, I'm, I'm probably close enough, I'm probably good, I'm probably assimilated. 
You know, I'm with the people of God, so I'm, I am a people. Don't. You just don't assimilate into salvation. You don't hang around it enough and it becomes yours. Let me ask you, eyeball to eyeball today, has there been a time when you crossed that line of faith and you put your faith in the facts that God gave us and you ask him to save you and forgive you of your sin and come into your life? Are you in Christ? Amen. Back to Ephesians We're called to a new way of living, firmly rooted in faith that only starts when we ask him to forgive us our sins and come into our life as Savior and Lord. Are you deeply established in his love? And then we need to let God's love in you flow out of you. You know, I've often said this about COVID. COVID COVID just pushed us over the edge. I believe people are so anxious and upset and full of stress, but COVID put us all over the top and people are so full of emotion. They're just, you can't even just, if you touch them or bump into them a little bit, it all gushes out, right? You know, I, I pulled out the other day, I was at the bank on 15 and I, I was just going to turn right and there's a light there. There's a stoplight and I'm, there's, it was like 4.30 and it's just carved, 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 all the way back down to 75. And I'm like, they're never going to let me in. There's not a one Christian in the whole bunch. Everybody's coming. Nobody lets me in. If there's a little gap and they know it they're like that guy's gonna get in and, and i'm like oh this is but i looked and the light was turning red i'm like yellow okay we all gotta stop and there was a gap a good gap and the light's red no big deal you're not going anywhere so i pulled out easily i pulled out and i came to a stop because everybody was stopped well the guy just saw me pulling out and thought how dare he and he started flying and i i came out and i came to a stop and he's like and I'm like, you idiot. You know, I just, all I did was just give him an opportunity and he just overflowed with all the anxiety and stress of this world. Well, guess what? We are the opposite. See, instead of that stress and anxiety, God says, you can be filled with my love and that love should just flow over all the time. It should just flow because God's love is so, it's amazing he even saved me. I just... We're at Myers yesterday, and this is a miracle in itself. I had a teller and a bagger. How do you do that? It was both of them. I'm like, that's amazing. And they're having a great time. We have all this stuff going, and they're talking back and forth, back and forth. And they got on the topic of people are mean. And they're talking to each other. And she's like, I just had a person that's so mean. She just yelled at me and swore at me. And the lady's like, I bet you gave it to her. No, I was trying to be nice. Yeah, you're too nice. You're always a nice. Why are you always nice? And they're going back and forth. And she's like, oh, I'm glad she didn't have you because you wouldn't have been nice. And I just said, I got to be nice. And they're like, they both stopped. I'm like, well, I got to be nice. I'm a pastor of a church. But I agree, people are mean. <laughs> we all agree. But I like nice. See, we're different. It's good to be nice. But it's really good to be nice because it's what's in you and flows through you because of the love of God. Is that in you? Which are you? Are you an R or are you a were? I'm going to ask the team to come up. Meg's going to play the piano because I want to give an invitation today. I don't often give invitations. I want to be very clear with you. I don't want to manipulate anybody. So I'm not calling for anybody to come forward today. That's not that kind of an invitation. I believe this is between you and God. But as your pastor, I do not want you to leave today still not knowing. Here's your opportunity. If you don't know, take care of it today. If you know that in your life right now, you need to ask God to forgive you of your sins and come into your life, then do that now. I'm going to ask that everybody just bows their head and close their eyes. Nobody's looking around because I don't want to embarrass anybody. That's not what this is about. But you have an opportunity right now to simply, if you've never done it before, this isn't something you have to do over and over and over again. If you're sitting here today saying, I'm in need of this salvation, I don't know if I know, then you can know today. Right where you sit, you can say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you are who you say you are. Please forgive me of my sin. Because of Jesus, you forgive me of my sin. And come into my heart as Savior and Lord. There's no magic prayer. I don't want you to think you just got to say a magic prayer. It needs to come from your heart. It needs to come from your mind, both mind and heart. And it needs to be sincere. But I believe you need to ask him to forgive you. And if you do that today... Romans 10, 9, you will be saved. 
Is there anybody in this room today that is, would let me know because I feel responsible as a pastor that you wouldn't come and, and just come in and out and never let us know? Would you let me know? Is there somebody in this room that said, I, Pastor, I prayed that prayer today and I'm believing that I, I was saved today. Would you raise your hand and let me know? Just let me know. Say, PD, that's me. Pray with me. Anybody else in this room that would say, pray for me? Anybody else? Anyone else? Oh, Father, God, we ask that you would apply this wonderful grace that you've planned. Apply it to the lives of these people who call on your name. And God, we know that you're faithful and just and you will forgive sins. That's who you are. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that we can know that we don't have to be afraid and don't have to worry and wonder. God, thank you for salvation. And God, I pray that this relationship that begins today would continue so that it would grow as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word of God. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you today that have received Christ and this is your moment, we're going to just close with a walkout song. You're, we're done. We're not going to do a closing song. It's going to be a walkout song. And we just chose what a great song to choose. Oh, happy day. There's no happier day than when your burdens are gone and you can say freely, I know that I know that he knows me. Why don't you stand and let me give you a benediction and then you can go. God bless you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray a peace for these people. God, as we watch the news and we wonder what's coming, God, I pray that we would have the confidence to know that you are a Savior. Everything's taken care of. And if it's today, it's today. If it's tomorrow, it's tomorrow. But I've got a trip that's been booked, and I'm going to be ready. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Go in peace.